Are you ready to become awesomer? Hello, everyone. This is Umar Hamid, your host, and welcome to the No Limit Selling Podcast, where industry leaders share their tips, strategies, and advice on how to make you better, stronger, faster. Get ready for another episode. Today, I'm privileged to have Harry Florio here joining me today. He's one of the big enchiladas in HR at CQ. Welcome to the program. Thank you, Mar. Glad to be here. The reason I'm excited to have this conversation with you is, you know, we have uh, leaders that are visionary that know where they want to take the organization. We have people in management wanting to make this happen. We've got people on the front lines, you know, doing their best. But oftentimes, everything gets disaligned because there's people involved and the people that make everybody align is HR. And so this is going to be an exciting conversation. Well, well, thank you. I'm I'm glad to hear you have the level of confidence in the HR practitioners to help bring it all together. And what's kind of interesting is when I talk to organizations, the uh, perception they have of HR, I'm not sure you've heard anything like this before, but uh, sometimes people say they're the people that say no. Yes, we hear that all too often. And they work for the man. Yes. You're here for management, and the reality is quite different. What's the reality for you? Yeah, the reality is, you know, it's not about picking sides. It's really about making sure that we are serving as consultants to help the organization be as successful as it can be to deliver on its social purpose through its people, right? And often what happens is the dynamics of human behavior, you know, convolute, you know, the ability to do that effectively, right? You know, where often then it does, uh, perceptions are created and it seems as if, oh, you know, HR is on the side of this person versus that person. And it's not at all about that. It's really about trying to be objective to ask, you know, kind of deep dive questions to really better uncover what the root issue, what, what the root issues may be, right? And then serving as a consultant to help folks work through them. HR, just like uh, sales, leadership, any aspect uh, out there of groups of people, have A players, people that walk on water, do amazing things. Uh-huh. They may not be like in charge of the department, but you know who those people are. Then you've got the B players that do a good job. We're glad that they're there, uh-huh. but sometimes they don't reach their potential. Then you've got the C players that are just, you know, I got a paycheck, I'm just going, doing. Could you give me your definition of an A player in HR? What are the attributes and mindsets that an ideal person should have? Yeah, an A player is somebody who honestly, they're jumping out of the bed doing that rock star formation like, gosh, I'm so psyched, ready to get to work and right. continue to make a difference well before the alarm goes off. All right. You know, the C player is somebody who I often refer to as the time to make the donuts guy, the 1980s Dunkin' Donuts, you know mascot, I guess, or whatever you want to call him, you know, where he's the guy that's kind of, you know, dragging and going, gosh, you know, time to make the donuts where it didn't really seem like he wanted to do it. Right. You know, so when I think about the role that we play in helping create an environment to, um, you know, to have those A players thrive, that's the challenge, right? And a big part of it is the balance between when you look at career planning and succession planning, um, you know, I often refer to it as a three-legged stool where you have the employee that's driving his or her 
path, you know, aspirational path, you know, the manager is, you know, navigating, you know, helping navigate through those choppy waters. And then you have the organization, which is the third leg of the stool to provide the opportunity. And as I'm working with, you know, all three of those players in big part, we're first working with the organization to identify role clarity. You know, what are those roles? So let me stop you right sure. there. I've worked with a lot of organizations. You can't find an organization where they don't have that issue, mm-hmm. where either people don't fully understand their role, and sometimes they do, but most people don't know what other people do. Uh-huh. And they have an idea of it, and part of it is they're lazy, not doing enough. Uh-huh. And so, yeah, l- role clarification is huge. You know, it's role clarification, and the way that we define that is really, you know, asking folks, you know, describe a day in the life, all right? You know, because to your point, you know, often the farther removed somebody is from that role, they may think it's this when it's really something very different. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, outside of role clarification, it's better understanding the uh, the skill gaps. You know, where are where do we as an organization need to better bridge the gaps to help? Our employees who want to continue to grow with the organization and aspire, um, you know, to succeed within the organization. How do we identify where those development areas are, and then what resources do we have at our fingertips, whether it's internal or external, to then provide those development opportunities, uh, you know, while giving folks an opportunity to apply what it is they're learning. So that's that's kind of that 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 middle ground, and then the last piece is at the individual level. It's best under van, under understanding the motivations yes, of what drives of our, right. What's driving people? You know, what is it that is you know making them wake up in the morning saying, "Gosh, I can't wait to get to work." And what we're finding is that you know, particularly with the millennial generation, and once the Gen Z starts to enter the workforce, it is that sense of social purpose. It's like you know, what is my purpose in life when I go to my job? And it's not always about money in some cases it may be you know so for for those scenarios where it is more purpose driven and values based driven that's where our organizational culture kicks into high gear you know so how do how does the environment that we create through our organization organizational culture play to the motivations of of our employees so how would you define culture like what is culture in an organization culture is it's it, it's very much a this inner feeling of, you know, what companies stand for, of what it's like to work within an organization, of, you know, what an organization stands for, Um, you know, and it very much aligns with an organization's brand, which is very much what people are saying about you when you're not in the room. So give me an example of one of your employees living up or fulfilling an aspect of your culture when you heard that story. It was like, wow, this is who we are. Do you have one of those stories? I do. Actually, recently I was speaking with a relatively new team member. He has been with us for about four months, and uh, and I was asking him to share with me his his onboarding experience thus far. You know, we've built out this very robust uh, 12-month onboarding program, and as much as I believe that it is a very powerful, successful program I wanted to hear from directly from him and his on his experience and as I was talking with him he shared with me his level of excitement when he joined the organization just this feeling he got when mm-hmm. he when he was uh, going through the interview process and what he said to me is you know Harry I feel like I found my purpose and it cut me right not in a bad way but I was like wow was I kind of like you know that you know like um like, oh, you know, finally, yeah, nice. like, I feel like we've, you know, we've, and what was his purpose? Right. You know, his purpose is really the level of engagement and impact he has on, 
um, on our members and and their personal lives. So he's a helper, right? Absolutely. So yeah, that's brilliant. So yeah. that must have made you proud. It, it does, and and we often hear that. You know, we have a lot of we're a credit union, yeah. and uh, we've had a lot of uh, employees who have uh, joined our team from you know commercial banks, and we often hear the the big difference between the sales culture at you know commercial banks and how different it is here at CQ, and it's very much more values based, and it's not about you know the product as it is the impression we are leaving that emotional sentiment that we are leaving with the member through our actions. So now you're talking kind of my language, because mm-hmm. I think ultimately at the end of the day, it's about uh, how we feel and how we make our constituents, whether they're employees, managers, or customers, because words don't go far, mm-hmm. but feelings are you know, really, really core to who we are as human beings. Yes, they are. They are, you know, and and when I think about the role that HR practitioners play mm-hmm. in helping organizations tap into that, you know, and this and this notion of experience, it's kind of a little bit of a buzzword right now. Right. And when I think about it, it's how do we as HR practitioners bring alignment between the experience of candidates. And then the journey they have to employees. Right. And then the journey that our employees have in many cases to members, or even if, you know, I mean, our members that aren't employees, right? How do we bring alignment and continuity to the experience that those three groupings have, right? You know, so. And that's huge. Uh, I'm going to go to a, a weird example it's, you know, parents and the kids. Mm. Kids find out pretty soon that, wait a minute. What dad's saying and what dad's doing are two different things. <laughs> right. So, and, and it's true throughout, you know, in our work life too. It's like, how do we get that alignment mm-hmm. where people are walking their talk? And when they're not walking their talk, it's a coachable moment. And when they are walking their talk, uh, oftentimes we need to capture that. Yeah. Because it's the story of that that allows people to inform people what our culture is. Because just words on a wall, like we're going to look after our customers, it's like, okay, what does that mean? Well, let me tell you, last week at the Pasadena office, this employee had this situation, and this is what they did, and this exemplifies who we are. Uh-huh. And then people go, oh, my God, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. I know what that means now. Yeah, and, you know, in big part, it's um, – you're right. I mean, core values, you know, a culture, a vision statement, whatever it is, you know, there are words that define it. If we were to ask all of our employees, you know, what are our core values, and they'll recite what, what, what they are. If I were to then ask them, well, what does that mean to you? All right, I'm going to get a variety of different different answers. And uh, when I think about, you know, those coachable moments, mm-hmm. and it's really, you know, the impact of coachable moments, uh, you know, at those moments of truth for yes. our employees, often the greatest impact we will have as coaches is being that courageous coach, right? There is such a thing as accountability and you want to hold people accountable, but how can you do it in a way, you know, through being a courageous coach where you're leaving the, um, you know, the dignity and respect of the person intact, right? You know, a lot of people don't know what they don't know. And there's a way that you, that we can be blunt and direct in providing those coachable opportunities, you know, while not, you know, kind of, disengaging the the so how do we get our employees to understand the intent Mm. because if the intent is perceived that you're here to discipline me or uh, diminish me they take it in a certain way but if we have the the intent is to make this a coachable moment so you're a valuable employee so how do you help set that stage for uh intent 
It's a great question. I think there are two things that we can do. One is it's it's the emotional connection that we build with our team members. Brilliant. Right? And I think about uh, you know my team. Right, and the connection that I have with each one of them, it's very different, right? Yet I try to, you know, get to know them as a person, as mm-hmm. a human being, you know, and then how do those qualities, traits, what's most important to them, what motivates them, how does that then overlay, you know, onto the role that they have here in the organization, right? You know, so that's one thing, that emotional connection piece. Secondly, is once that's built and it's sustained and, you know, through ongoing regular interactions, you know, employees will understand that and they'll you know they'll, they'll play off of that emotional connection but then i think what's equally important is during during those coachable opportunities it's helping folks really understand the why all right and i think by tapping into the emotional connection you have with the person helping them understand the why behind the message that will really hopefully squash any perception of malintent brilliant in my world or my worldview because right now there's a lot of like simon sinek you have to have your why and at a certain level, that makes a lot of sense. Okay. And at another level, it sounds kind of like bullshit. But if you look at it from this lens, that every single human being has a purpose in life, mm-hmm. and we talked about that earlier, if that's their why, the employee example you gave, I'm sure if I spoke to this person, adding value, helping people would be a huge thing for them. And if we gave them a job that allowed them to do that on a regular basis, every day would be a joyous, amazing day. And that would be the thing that gets them to wake up early. Mm. Uh, you described A players that way. There's an ad on TV right now for one of the hotels. Like if you're a cool traveler, you go to this hotel. And the image they use is this woman is shutting off her alarm, but she's already done her workout. She's in workout clothes and she's uh-huh. finished her workout and she's hitting the alarm to stop it. So that's like, you know, hey, I got up before the alarm, I did my workout, I'm yep. ready for the day. And uh, so I think if we can help our people find their purpose, it gives them their personal why. If we find the purpose for the organization, it gives us the corporate why. Uh-huh. And then we can help people align their personal whys with the corporate why. We do something pretty amazing. Yeah, and I think um, I, I would agree with you. And I think that to help facilitate that process quicker mm-hmm. you know, around the why, it's one thing for me to articulate the why. Mm-hmm. It's another thing for me to walk away from that interaction with the employee that I just articulated the why to, to have them share what they heard mm-hmm. and to frame it in their words yes. right you know so then that will help bring that level of alignment between how i define the why and how they define Brilliant. the why before we started this conversation before we went live mm. we were talking about a situation from your past uh, you were talking about this uh, auxiliary office and uh, so i've done a bad job of setting this up but why don't you share with us uh, in your words uh, what was going on and uh, I think that'll be a brilliant conversation to have. Yeah, you know, in 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 our role as HR practitioners, it's so important to you know talk to our employees to hear through their own words what their experience is like. Yes. And I was chatting with a relatively new team member who had been with us for roughly six months, and uh, you know, and it was the first time I had met him face to face. And and I said, you know, I said, hey, we're so glad that you're that you chose us. Right, you know, you're part of the team, and I'm curious to hear about your experience thus far. And as we were talking, what rose to the surface a little bit was, um, you know, kind of the good and the bad around the team dynamics within that mm-hmm. particular department. 
And, and I said, wow, I said, tell me more about that. And as we were talking through it, it was interesting because, you know, over time there had been some chatter, you know, about what that team dy- dynamic may be like. To hear it through the lens of a relatively new team member, although there were similarities to some of the chatter I had heard, the context was slightly different. Right. Right. And, and I think that's really important because, again, as, as HR practitioners, we want to try to be as objective as possible to gather as many objective data points as we can to then provide that that level of consultative guidance. Uh, you know, so for me, you know, I walked away from that discussion thinking, wow, you know, I'm so glad that I had this conversation and I start talking with more people within the department to get their perspective on, you know, the team dynamics to figure out what is the elephant in the room that really needs to be addressed. Right. All right. And then that's what we tackle and that's what we can help them work through so they can then fix the dynamic of. Did of you discover what the elephant was? I can't say with certainty, right? I Your think I have a little right more now. clarity. Um, you know, honestly, it, it's 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 human behavior and dynamics. People perceiving things, people reading into things, uh, you know. So, and people not really talking to one another, they're assuming it's it's a human need yeah. to be right. So we have this <laughs> per- perception. And once we have that perception and we believe it to be true, then we're looking for data to validate it. Uh-huh. And if there's any counter data, we ignore it or somehow rationalize it. Yeah. And I think that's the beauty of humans. And sometimes you get uh, crazy people like Steve Jobs that thinks, you know, hey, we can do this. And they only see the data that supports and they do amazing things. And then sometimes you have people that uh, see the world a certain way and no matter how much evidence comes up against it they're going to stick with it and it creates something quite ugly and awful yeah and um i i I chuckled when i was talking with this team member and i said gosh in some way i feel like this team needs a marriage counselor yeah you know you need someone to come in and you know call each other out on your crap all right and to try and work through it uh and one of the questions i had i had asked this gentleman i said do you feel that this is redeemable Mm mm-hmm and he had said, I think it's redeemable. He said, what I'm not sure about is whether all of the players on the team want to try and redeem the situation. And I said, that's a very valid point, because if that want or that desire isn't there, all of this is going to be for naught. It goes back to that old shrink joke. How many shrinks does it take to change a light bulb? Only one, but the bulb has to want to change. Correct. Yeah. Uh, what you're discussing here, this dynamic, you could go back to 4000 B.C., there's going to be some pharaoh with some mm. lieutenant talking about his team and his area saying, man, those freaking people, <laughs> why can't they just get along? Right, right. So, uh, and I suspect another 2,000 years from now, we're going to have cooler toys and telepathy, and we'll still be discussing the same kind of human experience. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the reality is, I mean, the, those the, the human behavior will always kick in, and there will always be differences, right? I mean, that we're just not meant to be similar in all regards right that's kind of the beauty of human behavior yes right you know so um that kind of speaks to the 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 element of diversity right you know so we're all different in our own way i think the key to that is how do we best uncover the strengths at the individual person level Mm -hmm. to then say okay if we're able to identify you know umar strengths harry strengths you know 
Johnny's strengths, Jane's strengths, right? And then the group understands what those strengths are. They can then play to those strengths. So the team is then successful and stronger, right? Versus tapping into the, you know, negative perceptions and all the naysayers and, you know, just kind of all the nonsense that human behavior tends to bubble up. Before we part company, can you uh, tell me about a particular person you were helping at CQ that you help them get an epiphany that allowed them to get up to the next level? Um, yeah, I want to think a little bit about um, somebody who's actually on, on, on my team today. And um, I often joke around with her that we have this love-hate relationship. Mm-hmm. And yesterday when I was talking with her, what I learned is that that kind of rubbed her the wrong way. Because she's thinking, oh my gosh, you know, he doesn't like me. And I said, no, no, it's not that at all, right? And, you know, often I think folks talk about this love-hate thing where it's, you know, at those points of contention, right? Those points of disagreement, um, you know, I think as much as um, I know myself well enough to know that I don't necessarily enjoy confrontation, Mm -hmm. yet what I've learned from this particular team member and what I hope she's learned from me is that through those points of disagreement and contention, something amazing happened. Absolutely. We have been able like that light bulb has gone off for both of us where we better understood perhaps a need at the organizational Mm -hmm. level, um, you know, a need at, uh, you know, how we may need to reframe a strategy, um, you know, a need and how we can, you know, modify our process to be less transactional and more values based. And as a result, you know, this particular, team member has really you know carved out her role to be solely dedicated on how we are sourcing our talent differently into the organization uh, you know and that's that's been huge for us and I think if you've got a team and there isn't conflict then you have a really bad team uh-huh. and by conflict what I want for teams is uh, to be civil but not to be polite and by polite I mean oh, uh, a good person wouldn't say a bad thing, or I'll hold it in, or I'll talk to Harry after the meeting and tell him what I really think. Uh All that stuff is cancer. But if you can have people and say, Harry, I don't agree, here's why, and we have that discussion, it makes the team stronger, and you get uh, forward progress faster. Yeah, and and, and I would agree. I mean, mean, conflict is going to happen, right? I think conflict will help the the team um, continue to evolve and change. Or you get groupthink. Yeah. Um, You know, what what I try to keep in mind, and and by no means am I perfect and do I always do this well, it's not so much what we say to folks. It's not even how we go about saying it, but more importantly, it's how what we just said to them, how it left them feeling. All right. You know, so trying to keep that in mind as we're working through those, you know, points of contention and disagreement, you know, we, we don't have to see eye to eye. We can agree to disagree on this. All right. You know, but what we need to come to consensus on is how we move forward. All right. Um, You know, So my highest wish for teams is that people have the strength to speak the truth. Uh Because a lot of organizations, a lot of teams, people do not speak the truth because, you know, I'll be seen as the nail that's uh, higher than the others. I'm going to get hammered or I'll get fired or what's the point, the complacency. The second one is people have the courage to hear that. Uh Because oftentimes as soon as they start hearing it, they go defensive. Whereas what we need people to go is, hmm. Explain to me what you're seeing, because oftentimes it's just a, a perspective thing. And I think if we can do bring that into our teams, 
We get amazingly powerful teams that get a lot of stuff done, and it makes everybody, including the shareholders, happy. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And, and I think the key to communication, I mean, at the end of the day, you've got receivers and you have transmitters, all right? And how you pick up on emotional intelligence cues while those messages are being relayed between those two parties is key. Not everybody receives messages the same way, yeah. right? You know, based on their experiences. So, you know, I'll use myself. I mean, I'm open to hearing that, you know, the way that I go about doing things may, you know, may not always be the best way to do it. All right. Sometimes I don't, I don't respond well to direct feedback. Right. right? But I respond well to feedback. All right. You know, so I think my point is that as we're thinking about, you know, how to be that courageous coach and, you know, how to share feedback and work through those points of contention. It's understanding, you know, how those individuals best receive those messages and then trying to cater your message in that way, right? You can still deliver and drive your point home, right? And be direct in it, right? Without that person walking away, you know, feeling a certain way that you didn't intend them to feel. And it goes back to the start of this conversation. It's all about relationships and understanding who's on the other side and how can you best position what you're about to say so they get it. Because communications is 100% my responsibility if I want you to get my message. Cannot be 50-50. Correct. Correct. Harry, thanks so much for sitting down with me. Umar, thank you. I appreciate your time. If you enjoyed this episode, please go to iTunes and leave a five-star rating. And if you're looking for more tools, go to my website at nolimitselling.com. I've got a free mind training course there that's going to teach you some insights from the world of neuro-linguistic programming, and that is the fastest way to get better results. 